I had a witness tonight said he saw the best in me I guess I'm the only one got this testimony when everyone else around me can only see the worst in me can I tell y'all one more time one more time I said he saw the best in me when song like you never sang it before and while he yet sings Psalms 27 says the Lord is the light of my salvation whom shall I fear 
That's what it says. The Lord is the light of my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes came upon me to eat of my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. That's four verses of the 27 Psalms. I bless him this morning. Come on and let's just shout a little bit more. Tell everybody that's in the room with you good morning. Tell everyone that this is the day that the Lord have made and that we are about to rejoice and we're about to be glad in it. Hallelujah. 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 He saw. Good morning, Keita. Good morning, Samuel. Keita Max, Chris Johnson, Orlando, Florida. Samuel Hurt, Cleveland, Ohio. April Tucker, Decatur, Alabama. Janet Robinson, Decatur, Alabama. LaVita. Hallelujah, Decatur, Alabama. God bless all of you that I'm seeing here, and I'm sure that there are others. But I'm glad to see those that have taken the time uh, to register yourself as being here and present in this worship this morning. God sees the best in us. We serve an awesome God. Yes, we do. We serve a mighty God. We serve the only God. Hallelujah. He is our Lord. He is our God. And I, I bless him for that this morning. I thank God for you. You are important to what God is doing right now. And you've got to feel importance. You've got to feel the importance of what God is doing in your life right now. Um, and how he is using you and how you are part of God's master plan. Amen. Um, as, I, as we're making ready, we're sending prayers. I failed last week to give thanks to the Lord for um, Fakita's first cousin. You know, two Sundays ago, we were in prayer because she was in a very critical state. And then the Sunday following, we didn't go back to tell the Lord publicly. Yes, we did. And I'm sure that uh, Kita did. And I know that we did. But I wanted to do it publicly in this setting since this is where we ask God to come in and move in a miraculous way. And God, we thank you because you did. Here is what we know about our father is that before we ask, he has already answered. And that while we're in the process of making requests known, he has, he, he, he has already gone before us. While we speak, he hears us. Before we ask, he answers. But that doesn't mean that we're supposed to be remiss and not ask. We are to ask anyway, even though it is the Lord that actually creates the desire in us to pray for a certain thing. And then what he does after he creates that desire in us to pray for it, that is when Jesus Christ, the great intercessor, goes and communicates 
what we have requested to God. And that happens with groans that cannot be uttered by man. I hope that I'm coming through loud and clear today. Jesus Christ takes our request and he presents them to his father in ways that we cannot even express in our humanness. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So God, he, he, Jesus Christ restates, I don't really concern myself with what comes out of my mouth when I'm praying because I know that God, Jesus Christ, knows my heart. And I know that's actually what he's praying for. So I don't get intimidated when I can't find and I'm fumbling over words like I'm praying and I'm like, Lord, I know that you are and I'm trying to find all of these great words to say about who he is and I'm trying to find deep words to say how I thank him. Don't be intimidated when you can't find the words to say because Jesus Christ already know what you're trying to create in your limited vocabulary but he knows what's actually going on in the depths of your heart. That's why you should have gotten that lesson about a tripartite man when I was telling you that we are dimensional. We are not simply just some cartoon on a page, that we are dimensional, and God goes inside of us, and we need to know how every component of our makeup is a part of God's plan. Ah, that's so powerful. Don't get me started. Uh, thank you, Keita, for letting us know that she is doing much better. God answers our prayers, and I think that everyone should type in right now, thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord. You're thanking him for what he has done, and you are thanking him as well for what God has plans to do for you and for others as well. Now, since we were together last time, my father-in-law, Bill Patterson, has gone into the hospital. Uh, and they uh, mother took him to the hospital. I think it was maybe Thursday or Wednesday, and I may stand corrected on that. Uh, and at the same time, God is just doing all of this for all of us, and as well, his care and his healing and his blood covers Bill Patterson. So... Um, just your thoughts, even if you don't, because I'm sure that for you're wanting to call Sister Patterson and she's in the room and she can't answer the phone, maybe you can just send a text through, say something to, uh, to Cassie or to Taffany to tell them, let them know, and they'll let Mother know that, you know, you said and in that way, that's right. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I see him coming through. Thank you, Lord. And we're thanking him in advance for what he is doing right now. Samuel has not been feeling well, but he, he's going to be the first one. Trust me. Sam's going to send me a message or a text, and he's going to let me know that I was feeling kind of ill, but I'm better. And he give thanks, gives his thanks to God. And Samuel, I want you to know that you are an inspiration to me. Let me share something with you all because I'm going to be real personal today. But I don't want to take too long. I don't want to. Let me check my time. I'm about 10 minutes till. But I want to really take time in this word today. Because it's, it's, uh, it's unique in the presentation. Because, yeah, I'll tell you that. But I, I want to tell you this kind of kind of offbeat. Um, my sister Janet visited me yesterday. And she came to the, to, on my job to the store. 
and and we sat and we were going over some some documents that had been presented to me concerning our uh, ancestry and our family because we didn't know very much about the hearths. Now, Samuel is the oldest hearth, and I think now that another of our uh, elders passed, he's the oldest Tucker and the oldest hearth. I'm not going to make this long, but uh, we, we were sitting there, and, and we being younger now, Janet and I, we were looking back into the 1800s to our great-great-grandmother. Now, we are descendants of a Union soldier, and his name is Neville. He was from Company K, which is out of Tennessee, and he was a Union soldier. So we as Hearths are, we are descendants of a Union soldier. But boy, we got in there and we started looking at some stuff, and we didn't know anything about it. <laughs> Nothing bad. But we were just looking, and we were like, well, who is this, and who is this, and who is that? And when I, after Janet left, I, it, it stayed with me, and I looked at the Lord, and I said, Lord, you're just amazing. You're amazing because there is really no new thing under the sun. When I made by comparison who God has been to those that are before me, he is the same God to us right now. There's not a lot of difference in what our forefathers did and what we're doing right now because God is the same. He is a common denominator. He pulls all of this stuff together. Sometimes we look at our own self and we don't have any idea why we do what we do uh, and when we're doing what we do. But God is just being the same and he's maintaining this through each generation. Amen. That's why uh, David said, I was once young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor have I seen his seed to beg bread. What David is saying is that God is consistent. God is consistent. Amen. I think I'm going to start with that, and then I'm going to get it. God is, O-N-S-I-S-T-E-N-T. Uh, I think I'm spelling that right. God is consistent. Yeah, God is consistent. And I put that in there so that you can know it. No matter where you look back in your past, God is consistent. Amen. All right, let's get into this word this morning because I know you're as excited as I am to to have this word. Now, the reason that I say that this is unique today is because on my way here, um, I had plans and had made preparation to continue in the power of reinventing yourself. And I gave you this from the script, the soundness of the word of God from the book of James, where we're not only to read the word, but we are to make active the word. Um, and that the word of God is to absolutely no use to you at all if you read it and you don't apply it. That's what James subscribed to us. And, and I went on through the message about reinventing yourself. Now, on my way this morning, and with great intention and preparation to give you that, I was getting my coffee this morning. And the place that I get my coffee is going through a change. And it's being changed from MAPCO to 
Circle K. And and I've been going to Mapco and and I've been collecting points. I don't know how many I have, but you know I go in, and most of the time because of favor, I don't pay for my coffee. They just see me and and they give me my coffee. I don't know why God does that for me, but you know people just they want to they want to give me my coffee. But I'm I'm in there now. Listen to me carefully, and I'm ready to come in, brush up, and come on. For I broadcast. And the lady, the man, the lady who waits on me, Julie, she says, I said, things are really changing around here. And she says, yes, we really don't know and we don't have any control over what happens. We just show up. Well, you know, the person that I am, listen to me carefully. That ran deep and that resonated in my spirit. That we, she said, we don't have any control over what happens. We just show up. Now she's an employee, she's getting paid. But what if tomorrow she shows up and they tell her, you don't have a job? Or she shows up and they tell her you're no longer a cashier, you're now a maintenance person. You gotta mop and sweep the floors. A lot of decisions can be made about what we do and what we have plans for. And I, I now here is where, it, listen to me carefully, this is where it started running deep. I was like, wow, not only does that affect the transition of a big, huge company, Mapco, to Circle K. But that applies to my life in just what other people can decide. So I asked the question, who makes the decisions about what tomorrow brings? And I need you to ask yourself that question. Who makes the decisions about what your tomorrow brings? Because every one of us, this is hot off the press, people. I'm just working out of the spirit, out of the unction of, uh, uh, my unction is out of the spirit of God. My speech and what I'm saying is just by the spirit. I've made a couple of notes in the hour or so that I got here before I come on. And I'm going to just, I'm going to spill it as the spirit gives it to me. Everyone who lives is subject to choices that someone else makes. Every one of us, you, me, Chris, Debbie, Keita, Sam, Janet, Vita, all of us, every one of us, mom, dad, Cassie, every one of us is subject to choices that someone makes. And that's not a really pleasant thought, but it's the truth. We're subject or subjected to choices that other people make. You can be in the hospital and a surgeon can make a decision about what he's going to do that concerns your life. Now, you can accept it or reject it, but ultimately, if it's something that you need from him or her, 
they can make a decision and it directly affects your life. This, that's, that's unpleasant, but it's the truth. We make plans. We get schedules and agendas. I plan to do something today about what is to come for the rest of my day. But my plans and my schedules are actually subject to someone else's determination. And I'm, I'm giving this some serious thought now, and I'm giving it some very meaningful consideration, and, and, and I don't want to communicate to you some nonsense, and I don't want to give you gibberish. This is on the cutting edge right now of what I'm sharing with it. It's worth our consideration. It's worth every one of our consideration right now. Now, you know, ultimately, I'm going to the word on this. But right now, I got to set the stage for what is apparently our reality. And it's worth our consideration to consider that not a lot of our plans of what we think to do rest within the control of our judgment. Not a lot of what we plan, not a lot of what I'm thinking to do, rest within the control of my judgment. Now, when I get out of here, I plan to go and open the store, or I may not open the store. I may want to go to the movie or whatever. But what if, what if? And I have to ask myself this question. What if the powers that be change all of that? While we sleep, while I sleep, while you sleep, who stays awake to change the outcome of what my plans are? I'm asleep, but who's awake? Making changes. Can the president of this nation enact measures that change or alter my plans. I'm asleep, but he's awake. And what he does in his waking moments is going to affect what happens during my sleeping moments. Can Congress, in a late night session, agree to things that's going to leave me awestruck when I wake up to look at the news tomorrow morning? They made a decision in the night, and I don't even know that they made that decision until I wake up the next morning and look at the news. Can the mayor of the city of Decatur, the mayor of the city of Orlando, the mayor of the city of Cleveland, Ohio, the mayor of the city of Atlanta, Georgia, can they make decisions? Can the chief of police, can the president of my homeowners association, where I'm paying the mortgage, and, and, and I'm paying the utilities, but can the president of the homeowners association, can they make decisions? Can my landlord, you're paying the rent, you're paying the utilities, but the landlord, can they make decisions? I'm getting close to home. Can your husband, can your wife, while you're sleeping, can they make decisions? that's going to affect the outcome of your plans, your schedules, your parents, can they? When you were a child, you may have had the grandest of all plans, but that was all subject to what mom and dad said when you 
awake. How many times have you been disappointed because what you had planned to do? Your parents come to you and they said, but that's not what's about to happen. So undeniably and emphatically, based on me stopping to get this cup of coffee and Julie saying, I just show up. Others can make decisions that will affect and change what your tomorrow or the rest of your day brings. Others can. Now, I've had to give this more than just serious thought. I had to go to God between 10.30 and now and ask him for some divine clarity concerning this. This is instant. I, and I need this. I'm not going to say I don't know who need this. I'm going to say I need this. I needed some divine clarity because all of a sudden I felt stuck. <laughs> I felt like, why? Because regardless of what I really plan to do, how much of that, even if I'm a person of faith, how much of that am I going to actually get to carry out? How, how am I going to be a conqueror if someone can just change the whole landscape? I had to go to God and ask God for some divine clarity because what if what others contemplate concerning me conflict with what my faith has assured me of. That's a transition statement. What if what you plan to do or you decide to do conflicts with what my faith has assured me of? Let me say it again another way. What if what you do or others do interferes and upsets what by faith I have set out to do and complete. And, and I'm subject to you. I'm subject to you because you're the president and I live in the United States. You're the mayor and I live in Decatur, Alabama. You're the chief of police and I live in this jurisdiction. You're the landlord, and I live in this building. You're my wife. You're my husband. And I'm under contractual agreement with you based on the laws of this state that what you do can affect what I decide. And I have set out to do by faith and complete. Get your Bibles, because the Lord certainly, if I go to him, he ain't ever not showed up. <laughs> yes indeed get your Bibles because you better believe if I went to him he came right back at me get your Bibles now here is the way I'm going to present this to you and this is short and it's sweet but I'm going to give it to you just the way that the Lord gave it to me and I'm going to do this by way of comparison and I know y'all going to be ready to get this because I got you on edge now you got to be on edge 
Because some of you will start sitting where you are, and if you're sitting in the room, you side-eyeing each other because you're saying, yeah, I'm subject to you, but also you're subject to me. It doesn't make any difference what, how it's kind of set up. You, you, I'm, I'm, I'm grown and you're grown, and we're cohabitating in the same place, and, but I pay this and I do this, but I do this and I do this, and if I do this, it's going to affect you. Now everybody's side-eyeing each other. But the question is, how much of what others do is going to upset the equilibrium of my faith, the balance of my faith? Meaning, out of, I've talked to God about this, and this is what God is saying, but if I come into compliance with what you're saying and what you're desiring, it conflicts, it doesn't necessarily contradict, but it conflicts with what I've had to set out to do by faith. And sometimes you can just settle and not disrupt. And now you're miserable because faith is drawing you this way, but you've settled here. Somebody say, all of this out of a cup of coffee? Well, y'all have to blame Julie because Julie is the one. She works at the, the MAPCO that's now Circle K, and they're changing from. Uh, here's the thing I got to tell you, too. The one man that was standing there while we were talking, Circle K is red and white. MAPCO is green and white. Well, around the gas pumps, the big old thing is still green. He says, well, they're just going to have to paint that red. She say, or they could just leave it green for Christmas. It's 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 festive <laughs> that was funny to me i mean you know changes come on y'all get your bibles matthew chapter 4 and verse number 1 we're about to compare two verses of scripture matthew chapter 4 verse number 1 here's what i found matthew 4 starting at verse number 1 You there? Matthew 4, verse number 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, now the tempter has already been identified as the devil so the devil came to him and said if you are the son of God tell these stones to become bread Jesus answered it is written man shall not live by bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple and he says in verse number six, if you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him and said, I'm in verse number seven. It is also written, do not put the Lord your God to test. Again, the devil, <clears throat> excuse me. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world 
and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Verse number 10, Jesus said unto him, away from me, Satan. Now, I got to point out here because earlier he said the devil, but right here he says Satan. That's another sermon. But if you've been around me a long time, you probably already know because it's the personification of the adversary, whether he's called the devil or whether he's called Satan or whether he's called Lucifer. But he's doing two different things in this one setting. Earlier he was the devil, now Jesus calls him Satan. And Jesus is not confused with who he is, but there is a, spe there is a specificity about how he addresses him. He says, get away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Now it goes back and says, the devil left him and angels came and attended Jesus. All right? Now, that's Jesus being tempted by the devil. And basically what the devil is trying to do is change the course of Jesus' day. He comes in with suggestions, powerful thoughts, opportunities. He presents to him a lot of things that could completely upset the direction for which Jesus has now set as his destiny. If you do this, if you do that, if you do this. Now, he does this while Jesus is wide awake. He makes this presentation right in front of Jesus, attempting to change the course that Jesus has set. Now, I want you to look at here more the relationship between Jesus and the devil. He's there. He can, he, obviously, he can speak. And the things that he's speaking to him is to affect a change and the outcome of the course of Jesus' life. Now, wide awake. Now I'm going to go to Matthew 16, and I want you to compare what I just read. And this was a dialogue between Jesus and the devil, Satan, right? Go to Matthew 16. You see what people are saying over here in the chat. They ain't saying a word. They reading. They're reading. They're not saying a word. Matthew 16, verse number 21. Hope you're there. Amen. Verse 21 in Matthew 16. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. That's his destiny. That's his plan. That's where his faith is taking him, to Jerusalem, to suffer many things at the hand of the elders and the chief priest and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed on the third day and raised to life. Jesus is explaining that this is what I got to do. Let me go over that verse one more time, 21. I'm talking to my disciples. 
Notice the relationship between he and his disciples. He chose them. They didn't choose him. He chose them. He selected them and called them his disciples. And he is now explaining to them that he has to go to Jerusalem, that he has to suffer many things at the hands of the elders, of the chief priests, the teachers of the law, that he's going to be killed and that on, he's going to be put to death and on the third day he's going to be raised to life. Jesus breaks it down. This is what I've got to do. This is what I've got to go through. Are you ready? Verse number 22. Peter, one of the disciples, took him aside and began to rebuke him. Buke him. Rebuke him. Now, let me see if I can, let me see if I can bring this into my little imagination. Jesus, come here, let me talk to you. Y'all help me now. And if I'm wrong, somebody type it in there. You're not going to be, you can tell me, Bishop, I, I don't see it like that. Uh, Pastor, I don't see it like that. Text me, whatever you want to do. This is how I see it in my little imagination. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Meaning he didn't do it in front of all of the disciples. He said, Jesus, come, let me talk to you. Now, based on what Jesus said, his plans are, Peter pulls him to the side like a landlord, a president, a congressman, a chief of police, a mayor, that president of the, of the uh, HOA, your husband, a wife, a parent, pulls you to the side and he rebukes him. Never, Lord. This shall never happen to you. And I want you to compare it. If I pause right there at verse number 22, it seems like Peter is a little harsher than the devil was. Because at least the devil said, if you are the son of God, then do this. If you are the son of God, then do this. If you are the son of God, then do this. Peter came to him and said, no, never. I'm telling y'all, I, I know y'all probably say, man, I wish you had never stopped and got that cup of coffee because now you you working us. You working us hard. Debbie put in the chat, Peter said, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> That's what Peter said. You're not about to do that in your life. I'm changing the, the course of your destiny. Based on my relationship with you, this is what we're about to do. I, I, y'all, come on, you all, help me with this. This ain't going to happen. Verse 23, Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Well, y'all, I'm sorry you all had to get this today, but that... Jesus just called Peter the same thing he called the devil back in Matthew chapter <laughs> back in Matthew chapter number four. He this his disciple. He just called his disciple Satan. He just called his disciple Satan. Get thee behind me. He didn't say Peter. I can't find a translation that called him Peter. Every one of them called him Satan. 
Now, my sermon from this years ago is a friend named Satan. Because before this, let me give you a little Bible background. Jesus told his disciples, no longer do I call you my servants, but I call you my friends. And I call you my friends because I've made known unto you everything that the Father made known unto me. So now the disciples are no longer servants. They are his friends. So to me, I'm a man of logic, and my education reveals to me, as I articulate the English language, that if Peter is a friend, Jesus got a friend named Satan. Okay, I'm through with that. He tells Peter, you are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God. So now I'm going to go back to some of these people that I said that make decisions while I'm asleep. From the president to Congress to the, to the, uh, the president of the uh, HOA to the chief of police, the mayor, my landlord, my husband, my wife, my parents, my sister, my brother, my son, my daughter, all of them may not have in mind the concerns of God when it comes to how they want to interfere with my life. My doctor. You're just concerned about the things that make who I am work best for you. Now I'm going to ask you the question, and I'm almost finished now. What's the difference between what the devil does in Matthew chapter 4 and what Peter does in Matthew chapter 16? What's the difference? I'm looking. I'm reading. Y'all going to have Debbie say Satan uses us. Wait a minute, Debbie, I'm a, you have to know, you, yes, I'm Cousin Don, but I've been preaching a long time. Does Satan use us or do we use him? In other words, did the devil make me do it or did I make the devil make me do it? I think it's easy for me to put a whole lot of stuff off on the devil that I'm just really doing myself. I'm preaching. I'm going to leave you to decide the difference between that right there because I'm not preaching that. My focus is on what Jesus does in both cases. I'm almost finished. Here's my preach right here. My focus is on what Jesus does when he's being tempted by the devil and when he's in a discussion with his disciple, his friend. And that is Jesus chooses his destiny. Changes are going to be made by others concerning us. But it's on me. It's on you, Janet. It's on you, Levita. Chris, Keita, Mom, Dad, Cassie, Taffy, Tracy, April, Gloria. It's on us. Taffy say, we don't have friends. Man, y'all on this this morning. Y'all on this. Now, let me tell you something. It wasn't by accident that I stopped to get that cup of coffee. I need this. You need this. Focus not so much on what others are doing because they are going to constantly be doing something that works best for them. You 
had better choose your destiny based on where your faith is calling you to because that's where God is in your life. Here's my message. Go to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 1 and verse number 11. That's where I want you to go. I'm finna help y'all out. I'm finna do one better. I just put the verse of scripture right there in the, in the text. All things are done according to God's plan and decision. Not some things, all things. God don't ever leave me, baby. He don't leave me blank. He don't leave me empty. He don't leave me without it. Even when I have messed up my own self, God is an ever-present God. And he don't come and defend me in my wrong. Don't get me wrong. He's, God don't defend me when I'm wrong. He chastens me. He deals with me. But let me tell you something else. He faithful. <laughs> God ain't going to ever be anything less than God. All things are done according to God's plan and decision. And God choose us to be his own people in union with Christ because of his own purpose. Based on what he had decided from the very beginning. Let me preach, y'all. When you see me making moves, I ain't making moves on my own. Because my steps... <laughs> are ordered by the Lord. It is he who suffers my foot not to be moved. For he is a cloud by night and he is a sun by day. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. And everything, all things. Let me tell you something. You ain't big enough to get out of the will of God. Your hardest task is dealing with others around you to make sure that you have enough confidence in God to let those around you, just like Jesus did with Peter. Now, Peter, you called me to the side, but I'm going to leave you with something right here today. Let me tell you something. When you're sick, you've got to go to God so that you can tell the doctor what God is going to allow him to do, not what he said he's going to do. You let you, and, and if you don't tell him, you need to tell it in yourself. God, is this your will for my life? But sometimes we don't have the tenacity that it takes. We don't have the audacity. We don't have the fear of God in us to tell others around us. And let me tell you something. If you don't get it, keep on listening because I'm going to keep on walking and I'm going to choose God's destiny for my life. Y'all got to remember what I said last week and I wanted to really pile up. I, I guess I'm going to have to continue back from James 1 when I told you all last week about reinventing yourself. Do not merely listen to the word so as to deceive yourself. Do what it says. You can't just be a person of faith absent of the word of God. Birthrights, nations harvest, you can't run out here being church folk. You got to be a product of the word of God. 
If you and I are going to get along, if you and I are going to walk together, if you and I are going to be in covenant, I need you to stand on the word of God and I'm going to stand on the word of God. Amen. Thank you, Chris. Preach, man. You're right. Stand on the word. Stop being so manipulative. Stop intruding. Stop being selfish. Stop being greedy. And get in pursuit of your destiny based on your faith. I showed you men last week. Noah, Moses, Gideon, Saul, all men who were had plans to go one way, but when they subjected themselves to what Ephesians 1 says, that says all things, all things are done according to God's plan. All of them had to tear up their own plans. Gideon was minding his own business. And the only person that Gideon had to wrestle with was his own self. There was nobody else there. When God called Gideon a mighty warrior, Gideon looked at God like who? And God looked back at Gideon and said, you. And he did with 300 what somebody else couldn't do with 32,000. I can do more broke than a billionaire can do with a billion dollars when I operate by faith. But you better, you better believe now, a lot of you that are sitting out there let me let this hammer down before I let you go today. And I'm going to put Marvin Sapp back on. And I'm going to let him say again that he brought the best in me. He saw the best in me while everyone else around me saw the worst in me. You better believe this when I tell you. I'm going to drop a hammer right here. You had better stop saying that God hadn't heard you. And when is God going to come through for you? Because you are simply letting others take control over what God has set for you in your destiny. Stop blaming others. Stop playing the victim. Stop doing it. Stop doing it. Stop playing the victim. God has empowered you, rested down inside of you, his word to bring forth the best. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the cup of coffee this morning. And most of all, God, thank you for your word. Thank you for a Julie who opened my eyes to say that I just show up. Oh, no, I'm not going to show up. I'm here to tell somebody today that God is going to show out. He's going to show out. <laughs> hey, 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 God's going to show out. Hallelujah. I'm not just going to show up. God's going to show himself strong. He's going to show himself strong. I wish I had a witness tonight. All I need is one. He's going to show himself strong. Oh, yes, I needed this. You needed this. Hallelujah. 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 Yes. 
Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. God not only sees the best in us, but he will bring out the best in us. Stop worrying about making enemies with people and be friends with God. God will give you favor. <sighs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I love you all. I love you all. And the way that I show my love for you is that I just will not subject myself to any tradition. I will not subject myself to the way that things have always been done and say just because they've been done that way, that's right. I'm going to give myself to the Lord and I'm going to say yes, Lord. Yes to your will. Yes to your way. I love you. I love you. He sees me for who I am. God bless you all. And I thank you. Thank you for being patient with me. Thank you for praying for me. I want you to know that your prayers for me are working. I'm not going to overwork myself. I'm not going to outdo myself. And what you do is, instead of you doing so much worrying, why don't you just rest in the confidence of your prayers to the Most High God and know that the only reason that you prayed what you prayed for me is because God wanted to show you that what you asked for, I have already done it. And that's how I feel about you. A lot of times I don't come to your rescue because I know God has already did for you what I couldn't even do even if I thought hard. And you say, oh yes, but I still need to see you. Sometimes you need to let your confidence be more in God than you do in other people. Sometimes people showing up only reduces the effect of what God wants you to see in him and him alone. I'm preaching still. Yes, God. Our connection to some other people sometimes. It doesn't make us stronger. It makes us weaker. I'm preaching. Thank you. I wish I had a witness tonight. That may be somebody else's testimony. God bless you all. I'll see you next week. I love you.
anybody in here tonight that's so very thankful that God did not write you off, that he did not throw you away, that he picked you up? one time we're gonna go back to it. 